Genesis chapter number one. Not going to get lost on your way there today. Genesis chapter number one. I am not sure if I should feel sorry for you uh, or what, but the Bible says that you cannot help but speak the things which thou hast seen and heard. And I have a feeling that over this coming year, you're going to be getting a lot of messages that are out of the Old Testament. Because we are going to be studying the Old Testament in Sunday school, and I'm dealing with these passages and putting all of this study in, and and there's things that come to my heart and mind that are pertinent, that are important, that there's no way we'll have time to deal with in a Sunday school setting. Sunday school, we want to kind of keep a broad overview and get that full spectrum. And, uh, you know, hey, listen, let me just throw it out here. If you're interested in the Word of God, Sunday school is a great time. We're walking through. Uh, those of you that haven't, we have this uh, available in the bookstore. It's a little, it's a three-ring binder right now. It's empty, uh, but it's three bucks. Don't have to get it or not. We'll give you the notes from Sunday school for free, but we're going to walk through the Old Testament. By the end of this lesson or this class, you'll have well over 200 pages of uh, information on the Old Testament. I know it's going to be good for you, uh, and so we're walking through that. But because we're doing that, I think you're going to get a lot of messages, which is what happened here with this message this morning from Genesis chapter 1, really fruit of study that I just felt was important that I touch on this, even though we're not quite there yet. Technically, we're supposed to introduce Genesis today, and we didn't get that far. Uh, I've just resigned myself to the fact that we're just going to go at the pace we can go, and I'm going to try not to rush too hard. I just told Pastor Gus, we're sitting up here, and I said, I have a long message this morning, and I, when I'm that way, I tend to rush. I tend to just really push and uh, I need to try and slow down and don't worry so much about trying to get through it all but make sure it's understandable. So pray with me that God would help me to do that. Uh, I also believe secondly that it will be more beneficial to us to touch on these things when we have already in our mind the context and the scope of that area of scripture. So because we're already thinking about these things, if I'm able to narrow in and deal with something specific when we're already kind of having a broad overview, then it'll be even that much more beneficial for us. And so that's why I believe it's going to be very beneficial for us to kind of nail these things when we see them come up in the Word of God, even though they are kind of along the lines of what we're already talking about. Our plan this morning was to introduce the book of Genesis. We'll be doing that next week, dealing with the formation, uh, talking about the formation of the world, the creation, uh, and of creation, God's crowning achievement of creation was man. This was his crowning achievement. This is what God said, and uh, I want to talk to you about that this morning in a message that I've entitled, The Image of God, The Image of of God. How are we made in the image of God? Look with me at our text here, Genesis chapter 1, in verses 26 and 27. He says here, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. I would like to address this and maybe answer the question as best as I can with regards to how are we made in the image of God? What does that mean? What does it mean for us today? How does it affect or how should it affect our lives? Why don't we just pause, ask God to help me walk, go through this and, and speak to our hearts and maybe open this up for our minds and give us understanding of these things. Would you pray with me as we begin? Lord, we come to you right now. I submit myself to you and ask this morning that you would use uh, the effort, the study that's been put in 
Lord, on my best day, I'm an unworthy vessel, but your word is always worthy, Lord. Your message is always beneficial. All scripture is profitable. And so I pray, God, you'd help me to uh, have clarity of thought and, and present uh, the things this morning in a way that's understandable, that, Lord, uh, we would benefit, be challenged, Lord, brought into your presence, that you pray you would speak to our hearts in the, from the word this morning, in Jesus' precious name, amen. So first of all, I want you to see, uh, we're going to deal with three aspects of this creation. We were created as a picture. We were created with a position. And we were created for a purpose. That's the direction that we're headed today. So we see here, first of all, created as a picture. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. The reason that man is a crowning creation is because mankind was made in the image of God. Of all God's creation, this is the only entity that was created in the image of God. Created to reflect God's glory. Now let me give you a little, maybe some misconceptions or some misinformation or flat-out lies with regards to this aspect of being created in the image of God. Just this last week, I saw several individuals which maybe draw me to the place of wanting to bring this this morning, but some very well-known Bible teachers that in an effort to embrace modern feminism... They said that the likeness of God should include the shape of a woman because men and women are both made in the image of God. Now, before you start throwing tomatoes, ladies, <laughs> let, let me, uh, I want you to see some truth. Don't, don't shut me off yet. I'm just going to tell you who it is because I know some of you listen to these people. Some of you maybe are doing some studies by these individuals. And I want to caution you. You must have spiritual discernment. You must know what you're hearing and realize not everything that's out there is in line with the Word of God. Uh, Joyce Myers said that El Shaddai the title for God, the word, the meaning of El Shaddai, she said the word El Shaddai means the all-breasty one. I'm not going to continue with the direction that she was talking about. I'm telling you that's what she said the word means. Again, the idea or the implication that God is made and formed like man, like woman. Kenneth Copeland said... The root word for El Shaddai is referring to a mother nursing her child. Goes on talking about the implications that are there for the Christian and making God in the shape of a woman's body. Beloved, this is blasphemous. There are many pagan gods that you see that are out there. Their images are made in that likeness. There's reasons, and I don't want to get into all of it. T.D. Jakes said, He is our father. He is the breasted one. He is the woman just as much as he is the man. The Bible says here, I want you to see the problem with what they're saying. We're going to get into it. I hope to give you some understanding and explanation where they went wrong. Beloved, the Bible is very clear. Here's what I'm saying. Ladies, don't throw stones yet. I'm not saying you're not. Look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 27. He says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. 
What is the last part of that verse? Read it out loud. Okay, male and female created he them. Male and female were created in the image of God. So there are some characteristics, there are some aspects, there are some attributes that both male and female have that are like God. Where these false teachers messed up is that they are trying to make God like man. That's the problem, is they're trying to put an image on God, and that is not what God said. God said we are made in His image, not that He is made in ours. And they're trying to turn it around and create God or make Him in our image. Teachers today that have itching ears are trying to make God in our image. Beloved, male and female were both present and represented, and we are both made in the image of God. We both have aspects, characteristics, attributes that are like God. Stephen Lawson, in his book, Made in Our Image, said... A user-friendly God has become the trend of the day. A God made in our own image is the inverse of the truth that man is made in God's image. So do you see where the error lies there? Where they're trying to bring God down to man. Let me give you some brief, this is not, I just don't want you to say, I, I, I don't want to just say myself, hey, what they, what they said is wrong. I want to give you the Bible on it. So if you want to write it down, you can. But in Genesis chapter 17 and verse number 1, or you're welcome to look at it, this is the first place in the Word of God where we see that term, El Shaddai. In John 17 and verse number 1, he says, And when Abraham was 90 years old and 9, so 99 years old, Miss Sheila, you got a few more to go. So when he was 99 years old, the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto him, I am the Almighty. That word, Almighty, there is the word El Shaddai. It means Almighty. It was translated as Almighty. It means Almighty. He says, I am the Almighty God. Not the breasty God. Okay, every notable Hebrew lexicon down through history translates this word as almighty. I do not understand the motivation for changing it. The Bible uses this term, almighty or El Shaddai, in specific ways which are very clearly teaching that it means almighty, strong, not what they tried to say. For instance, in Isaiah chapter 13 and verse number 6, he says, Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the almighty. The truth that's being taught there, he says, it's going to come as destruction. Destruction is going to be brought by the Almighty. Now that makes sense, right? That word is El Shaddai. If you look it up in Strong's Concordance, which again translates El Shaddai as Almighty, which is probably the most well-renowned and respected uh, Hebrew and Greek translator in the world, uh, it translates it Almighty. But it makes sense that destruction is coming from the Almighty. I mean, I, I feel bad even saying it because of this mixed company and all this, but these people are teaching us destruction is not brought by the breasty one. Destruction is brought by the Almighty. Amen. What I'm saying is the use of the word in the Scripture makes it very clear that is what it means. We want to be careful that we don't just take in what people are saying because they have a congregation of 30,000. That's what they believe T.D. Jake, Jake's uh, membership is at his church there, uh, the Potter's House. And you want to talk about an eloquent speaker, 
We talk about a man gifted by God with oratory ability. But it doesn't mean just because there's a lot of people listening to him that everything he says is right. You need to have discernment. Again, we need to stop setting up images of God in our mind. John chapter 4.24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we don't need to try and, I mean, that goes directly against one of the commandments, doesn't it? Making an image of God, trying to define what God is in that regard. God is a spirit. With that little bit of teaching, I want to get into how are we a picture of God then? And we're not talking about the aspect of we were created in his image, we're not looking at this physical body as a representation of what Christ is. If it's, you know, we think of an image as a picture. So what are we talking about? So how are we a picture of God if we're not dealing with this visible form? Put simply, we have been given some characteristics or attributes that God has that the rest of creation did not receive. All of the other things that God created, including the animal kingdom in, in, in its large, fish and fowl and all those things, did not receive these attributes that God gave to man. Now, we do not now and never will have all of the attributes of God. We will never become gods. We will never be omniscient, all-knowing. We'll never be omnipresent everywhere at one time. We'll never be all-powerful as God is. But there are some aspects that God has given to man that are like unto him. I'm going to give you a few of these. I don't know that this is everything in its entirety. But I want you to know that God has given us the ability to reason, to grow in wisdom. We see that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Not just to learn things. We can teach our dog. I mean, dogs are amazing animals. What they can learn and, and the skill that they have to be able to do so many things is phenomenal. They can learn a lot, unless their name is Odin. Uh, <laughs> that's our dog, for those of you that don't know. Yeah. But man has been given the ability to grow in wisdom, to learn what to do with that, with that knowledge. To love. We've been given the ability to love to create, to take the skills and abilities that God has given us and to design things like this building, and build them, construct them. Obviously not create out of nothing, but to build and to advance. Mankind is like God in our ability to deal with the moral question, to understand justice and equity, to understand mercy and forgiveness. But I believe, most importantly, that man is like God and then how we were designed as a triune being. We were designed as a triune being. That is, there are three aspects or elements to our creation that are like God. We believe that God is a triune being. That there is a trinity with God. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all three God, they are all three one, but they are also all three individuals. I'm not going to chase down that, that rabbit trail because we've got a lot of other ground to cover, but we believe that God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, a triune, the Trinity it is called. We believe in all three and they make up God. Well, man was created in God's image. Look in chapter 2 and verse number 7. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7. We see God here creating man and putting together all three aspects of man's creation. In Genesis 2, 7, he says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. This is God forming man's body. Man's body, the first element. 
and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. We believe this is the spirit that entered man. And man became a living, what does it say? Soul. Now, there's a lot of teaching here, but, uh, and sometimes because we, we use the word soul and, and sometimes interchangeably with other things, we, we think about the soul as the only thing that goes to heaven, but I believe that it's the spirit, and it just depends on what you're looking at. God breathed into man uh, God's spirit. That is when God gave man some aspects, some attributes. You see, other men, I mean, other elements of God's creation, God created the animals and they, they just had life. God gave them life. They had that, uh, they became a living soul as, a, as an animal. But God breathed into man and imparted or gave to him something he did not give to the animal kingdom, his spirit, body, soul, and spirit. Quickly, I'm not going to spend long here, but I want you to know that God gave us another picture of this in the Old Testament when he designed and set up the temple for his people. There was the outer court. This corresponds to the body. The body is where we make sacrifices for God. We give of our time and our energy. And in the outer court was a place where they held sacrifices for God. Romans 12, 1. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Our body presented to God as a living sacrifice. That is the outer court as pictured in the temple. Then you have the holy place, and that co corresponds to the soul of man. That is the place where service is fulfilled. There was the table of showbread and the incense, uh, prayers and things offered to God there. And then you have the holy of holies. This corresponds to the spirit. That is the place the intimate communion with God takes place in the spirit of man. All three aspects of our creation are present Body, soul, and spirit, when God made man and created him in his image. They are all mentioned in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. If you want to, in the book of Genesis there, just write in the margin of your Bible, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. That will give you a reference point to go to where you see that mentioned in the New Testament. Let me read it to you. He says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. So all three aspects of this triune creation that God made of man. Now, we've taught on this before, and I, I don't want to get bogged down here because it hasn't been that long ago. For those of you that remember in our, our Sunday school series on putting our life in order, we dealt with this with some detail. I actually gave you some, some diagrams and things on the screen where we talked about the aspects of the body and the soul and the spirit and what takes place in all those. But for those that were not here, and just by way of review briefly, your body is the seat of your senses. You, you recognize that. The, the body, your senses, you have your sight, your smell, your taste, your hearing, and your touch. Those are the five senses. That's what takes place in your body. I'm going to get to some preaching here in a minute. We're, we're doing a lot of teaching. We're doing okay? Doing all right this morning? Okay. Uh, I told Gus I had a lot to cover. We have the body. That's the seat of our senses. This is where the carnal man exists. It's affected by pragmatism. That is what feels good, do it. The idea of, well, I don't want to do that. You know, right now, I need to be exercising. This week, somebody was telling me, asking me how my back's doing. And I said, well, it'd probably be doing a lot better if I did less sitting and a little bit more work. <laughs> I'm at the point where I need to start building that strength back up in my back. But I told him the problem is, is it doesn't feel good. I would do it if it felt good. But Miss Martha gave me her PT exercises when she got out of her surgery, and I did them once. They don't feel good. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. And it said there right on the directions, do this three times a day. I said, you are nuts. Do that three times a day. I hurt for a day and a half after the first time I did it. Why do I want to do that again? Because that's what I need. But see, the body doesn't like those things that don't feel good. That's the body. That's our senses. The soul is the seat of our mind, our will, and our heart. Those are the things that are there 
This is where the natural man is, just like the animals. I said they have, a, they have a soul. They were created and given. They were made living beings. They were given a soul. They, they're, they're alive. They, they have a soul in that regard. They have a mind. They have a will. They have a heart. These things are present there. In our mind is our imagination, our memory, our reason, our ability for these things. The will of man is your desire, your motivation, uh, the heart of man is your emotions, your affections, your conscience. These things live and exist in your soul. And I'm not going to get bogged down there. But then you have the spirit. This is the seat of your God consciousness. This is where you are made aware of God. This is where you're made alive unto spiritual things. You understand when Adam was created, he was given all three aspects in perfection. Body, soul, and spirit. You know... My boys like going to the gym. They like punishing themselves. They like building. Why? They're going after that perfect bicep. You know, they're going after that perfect, you know, strength. And, and, and that. And some, sometimes ladies looking for that perfect body. You know, Adam and Eve had it. I think if we were to go back to the Garden of Eden or if we could somehow bring Adam and Eve here right now, you would say, man, there's never been a more perfect, proportionately shaped or gifted body. Uh, because they were perfect in body, soul, and in spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 11 says, For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? You see, beloved, we've been given a spirit. The problem is, is when Adam sinned, he died spiritually. That third element was put to death. That spiritual, that God consciousness, that connection, that communion with God the Father died when Adam sinned. Wherefore, as by one man sinned, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Now, I'm doing some teaching here, but you understand that every single man and woman and boy and girl that was ever born was born dead spiritually. Because we were given that sin nature that Adam had, and Adam sinned, and so Adam, the first Adam, which I'm hoping to get into here in a little bit, talking about the second Adam, but the first Adam was Adam, he sinned, and all men after him were sinners. Born spiritually dead. There was one part, beloved, of the picture that we were supposed to have being made in the image of God that now was not present. Does that make sense? Okay, so here's the thing. I asked Gus to put a picture on the screen. Here's a picture of the White House. Here is an image, right? A likeness <laughs> uh, of the White House. Now, those of you that are computer savvy, you understand occasionally you get a virus. You get something in your computer or a file didn't transfer correctly. Something happens and the file gets corrupted. It is no longer a full picture of what it once was. It is no longer a complete rendering or reflection of what it once was. That is what happened to us. At one time, God created us perfect, body, soul, and spirit, a picture, a reflection of Him, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but sin entered, and we are no longer a complete rendering, a corrupted rendering we've become of what God originally designed for us when He created us in His image. Man now, I'm saying after the fall, is more like the rest of the creation than God intended him to be. I don't know if you guys see the connection there, but a lot of how men act today and why people think that we're barely above animals is we've lost that God consciousness. 
were spiritually dead. Just like the animal kingdom, which never had spiritual life. The animal kingdom was never meant to be the image of God, but man was. And the only way to fix this, would you turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15? The only way to fix the marred image is to be restored in fellowship to God. To be restored in fellowship with God. Man must be made spiritually alive through Jesus Christ. That comes when we're born again by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That part of you which died when Adam committed sin, you were born spiritually dead. At the moment of salvation, you put your faith and trust in Christ, you were made spiritually alive, and now you are a good reflection again of what God designed. Beloved, you may know a very gifted mortician. I recall recently at a funeral... Somebody walked up and looked in the casket and they said, he never looked better. I'm not sure what that's saying about when he was alive. (laughs) But here's the thing. The mortician may be very, very gifted, but he's still dealing with a dead body. And the problem, beloved is every man, woman, boy, and girl may be very gifted. They may turn over a new leaf. They may do some very good things. They may look very much alive. But unless they've been made alive by Christ, they're still dead. Look in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45, and I'm going to read down through verse number 49. And I want you to see what takes place here. He says, and so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. Okay, this we know is Adam. The first Adam, Adam there in the garden that fell into sin. He says, the first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Now, those of you that don't know some Bible theology, that's talking about Jesus Christ. He was the second Adam, because through him we are made, we're given new life, we're born again. The first Adam, every man was made a sinner. Through the second Adam, Jesus Christ, every man is made spiritually alive. So he says here that the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Again, using the word spirit, remember, we were body, soul, and spirit, but the spirit, our God consciousness, died with sin. Now we're made quickened, that means alive, made alive, the spirit. Verse number 46, how be it, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. Saying you were born a natural man, at some point you had to be afterward, you had to be made spiritual. The first man is of the earthy, or of the earth, earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Again, you see that reference to Jesus Christ. You guys following along? Okay, so he says, the Lord from heaven, verse number 48, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. Saying, hey, there's likeness there. Somebody that's earthy, from earth, man, they have a likeness one to another, right? They, they represent each other. They are alike. He says, but as is the heavenly, such are also the heavenly. There is a representation, there is an example of those that have been made alive in Jesus Christ that now they complete this image. Now they have a heavenly aspect to them. Look at verse number 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthly. Okay, we were born, we bear the image of the earthly, we obviously were men. But, what did he say? We shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Through Jesus Christ, we are made spiritually alive. We now can complete the image that God had initially planned for us when he said, let us make man in our image as a triune being. Born dead, born again through Jesus Christ and made alive spiritually. 
All right. I know what time it is. But Brother Crane said I could take as long as I want. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to, the next two points won't be this long. This, this point was laying the foundation. This was drawing a picture for us. And I hope teaching enough that I didn't just fly through it, but that you got a grip and understanding of what I was saying. Megan was shaking her head. Yes, she, she's got it. Good. I hope everybody got it. So I want you to see, secondly, we're created with a position. Not only have we been taken on Okay, not only have not only has man tried to bring God down and make him a man, but you guys all know that society at large and our education, our institutions of higher learning are also trying to take man and bring him down to a point of animal. Am I right? That's what they're trying to do. We're saying, we're just all animals. We're all the same. There is no difference between you and the spider in your home. Lest you think I made that up, I want you to see that Ingrid Newkirk, the founder of PETA, declared, a rat is a pig, a pig is a dog, a dog is a boy. Basically saying there's no difference between a rat, a dog, a pig, man. No difference at all. This is what they're trying to teach. That's why I'm trying to show you from the word of God that man was created with a position. God fashioned man differently. There is in creation a clear progression that takes place. We're going to get into this in Sunday school in detail, but light from darkness, firmament and the waters, land and vegetation, sun and moon and stars, fish and fowl, animal and man. There is a progression from what would be the least important in God's design to his crowning achievement, which is man. Look in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 25. We don't have time to read all of Genesis chapter 1, but beginning in verse number 12 through 26, we see over and over again, he used this phrase, after his kind. In Genesis 1 and verse number 25, he says, And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. Over and over again, we see that. But then we get to verse number 26, and there's a drastic change in the terminology. And God said, let us make man in our image. This is the only thing created that was created in the image of God. All other things were given life, but not created in the image of God. No other being was given the characteristics of God. No other being has an eternal soul. God fashioned man differently. God fashioned man distinctly. He says in Genesis 2 and verse number 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God fashioned man, his body, gave him a body from the ground. Now, I don't know why, why God did this. God could have just as easily spoke man into existence like he did the animals. Could have just as easily said that. The only thing I think is God was trying to show a difference here, a priority here, his tender care and his, his effort given to fashion man from ground, the time invested, the importance that he is placing on that. Fashioned from the dust of the ground. God did that. God breathed into him life. This is the only person in or individual or entity in creation that God breathed life into. And man became a living soul. This is distinct from all other animals. Each one of us, the Bible says, is uniquely and wonderfully made. Psalms 139, verse number 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. Aren't the works of God marvelous? It's amazing. We were not only formed, fashioned differently and distinctly, but God gave man dominion over the earth. 
And Genesis 1 and verse number 28 go to B, as is referenced the second half of the verse there. He says, And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moved upon the earth. Beloved, those in the world would like to say you are no more important than the snake in your basement. But I want you to know, according to God, if it comes between you and the snake, you are more valuable than the snake. There are those in the world that would say you are not, and that snake has just as much right to live as you do. And they'll be belligerent and angry that you would take the life of a snake. But that's because they don't understand God. They're trying to live outside of that. God created man and gave him a position, a position of dominion over the rest of the earth. By God's design, you are the crowning achievement of his creation. You have dominion over the creation. This world and all that's in it, beloved, was given for us to enjoy. We were given to rule over it. We were given to advance in it. You can look at... uh, God told them in Genesis 1.28, there if you're still there, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over it, the fish and the sea and over the fowl and the air and over every thing. God put them in the garden, this perfect environment, and gave them dominion over it and let them rule, let them use and enjoy all that was there. It's okay if you cut down a tree. Now, I don't think you ought to just go through and abuse the earth and you ought to just clear land just to cut down trees because you're bored. It's something we had to teach my, my kids. And when, like, I, I like guns. But when my kids were little and they were learning to shoot, I said, if you shoot it, you're going to eat it. We don't just kill animals just to kill animals. You, you want to shoot, shoot your BB gun, you can, you can take your BB gun and set up a target and shoot that. Now, there are, there are, I heard somebody say groundhog. <laughs> there are some pests. <laughs> there are some pests that, that need to be controlled, and that's part of having dominion and ruling over the earth, and that's okay. But, you know, I didn't want my child going out and shooting a blue jay just because he was a good shot. So we had to show there's reasons, and we take care of the creation, but we've been given dominion. We're to rule over, and we need to keep that in the right perspective. If you buy into modern thought, you're going to think that you're just as equal as with the the dog or the cat or or the fish that's in the fishbowl at your house. And that's not the case. Do you agree with the Bible that we've been given a position? Well, two or three of you. Everybody else is not sure yet. Let's go on. The third thing, we were created for a purpose. I've been trying to get here all day. I've been doing a lot of teaching. Now we get to do some preaching. We were created for a purpose. God gave them direction in 128, told them what to do. He had a plan for them. Once you know in the beginning of the Bible, it says the very first words are in the beginning. What does it say? God. In the beginning, God. This is not merely the starting point for the pages of Scripture. It is the starting point for creation. It is the starting point and should be the starting point for our lives. Every aspect of our lives should be dictated and controlled by the fact that God is in the beginning. God is first, He is in control. I want you to know, beloved, that we were created for a purpose. We were created by God without question, hesitation, or reserve. I declare that as an inescapable and provable fact over and over. And maybe you're here this morning and you've been through a lifetime of sitting in classrooms where everybody has told you that you came from a 
an amoeba, and that over millions of years you, you ultimately came into this place and came to being. And, and, and listen, I don't have time this morning to deal with it, but I would encourage you to come to Sunday school for the next couple weeks as we begin to talk about creation. And we'll get into some details and talk about some of the other theories that are out there for how the world came into existence. But I believe it's, it's critical. I know in your mind you believe in God, but you've been taught for so long that the world is millions and millions of years old that in your mind you believe that. You question when somebody says something contrary to it, and that's because you have, don't have a good grasp of the Word of God yet. Come to Sunday school, and let's study that together, and I think it'll be a help to you, but I want you to know that we were created by God. And we were created for His pleasure. The Bible tells us that very clearly. We were created by Him and for Him. In Colossians 1, verse number 16, he says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. This is declared very clearly. God created it all and they were all created by him and for him. They were created for his pleasure. Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things for Thy pleasure. They were and are created. They were created. By Him all things were created. Amen? They were created for His pleasure. He is even right now in your life working to bring about His pleasure. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 13. He says, For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Not only were you created for his pleasure, but God is trying to work in your life right now to bring about his pleasure. What his will is, what, what he would like for you. My kids have over the years learned their dad very well. There's been many times in the last months, it's 11.50. I'm going to try and be done by noon. All right? Is that okay? Be out of here by noon? I figure if I could go in a little bit longer, it'll stop, it'll stop snowing and we won't have to drive home. You're like, Pastor, it's snowing? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> It is snowing, but it's nothing sticking, nothing sticking, so don't worry about it. My kids have learned me really, really well, and it's been amazing to see things, and I don't remember the exact instances my kids could probably tell you, but something will happen, and my kids will say, oh, dad's not going to like that. Mm -hmm. or, or somebody will do something, and they'll say, that's not the way dad would do that. Uh... You see, they've learned very well what my pleasure is. Christian, our job is to learn what his pleasure is. We ought to be looking at our life and we ought to be able to say, you know what? My Heavenly Father's not really going to like that. My Heavenly Father's not going to be pleased with that. That is not what God would want for me or for my life or for my children or for my home. I want to live in such a way that I'm bringing pleasure to God. Not only have we been created for His pleasure, but I want you to understand we've been created to give God glory. Created for His glory. In Isaiah chapter 43 and verse number 7, he says, For everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. God said, I created him for my glory. We've been created for His pleasure and for His glory. And everything we do in life should be glorifying God. Not only have we been created for His glory, but beloved, if you're here this morning and you're saved, you've been forgiven, can I tell you that you've been cleansed for His glory? You've been cleansed for the glory of God, you've been made spiritually alive and now are a complete picture of the Trinity, the triune man that God created you to be. He cleansed me in 1 
1 Corinthians 6, verse 20, he says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your bodies and in your spirit, which are God's. I've been bought with a price. God cleansed me. He saved my soul. Not only was I created by Him, and from the foundation of the world, my, my life was to bring uh, pleasure to God and honor and glory to God, but now I've been cleansed by God, and how much more should I be bringing glory to Him now that I've been cleansed? In Colossians 10.31, he says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all, do you know it? To the glory of God. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Beloved, you and I have been made spiritually alive. We've been cleansed. And now, the possibility for us to be that picture that God said in the book of Genesis, let us create man in our image. That image that was marred with the fall of, of Adam has been restored by Jesus Christ. And the possibility for me to bring glory to God, being a correct image, is there because I've been cleansed. The question for you and I today, beloved, is are we glorifying God? Are we the image of God that we should be? Do people see Jesus in you? Are we the representation of God that we should be? It was never God's plan that he would be made in our image. The Bible says that we are to be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, made like him. The thrill, beloved, is the possibility for us to be a correct image for this world to see is there. But are we doing it?